everyone, welcome to Coach Out Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and here's what we've got lined up for you this week. For coaches, just go home and get on with the rest of the evening, and then forget about that session, and then they just plan for the next day. But I don't think, certainly the clubs I've been at recently, the coaches don't review review their performance. They just think, if the kid says at the end of the session they enjoyed it or it was good, and that's enough for them. And yeah. for me, I think we should be we should be challenging, challenging more. And, and I think there's got to be obviously those boundaries. I think the big thing for me was the open door policy. I think yeah. that's huge. Uh, having having people being comfortable, whether it's your members of staff uh, or even probably just as important parents, because we, we talk about it all the time. I think educating parents when you step into a new club is is vital. In this episode, we spoke to Liam Hughes. Liam has vast knowledge of different continents of the world in regards to coaching, technical director and academy manager. In this episode, we talk around culture and how to develop this over a long period of time within these environments. Hi Liam, cheers for um, joining us on the Coach Out podcast. Really good to get your thoughts around the stuff we're going to discuss um, in this podcast around kind of culture and stuff but uh, just before we get going it'd be good to hear kind of where you're at at the minute and kind of where you've come from so I'll kind of let you go mate. Yeah um, I'm currently over in in the United Arab Emirates uh, so my role at the minute is is director of football. Um, I came into the role as a director of coaching but I've kind of progressed in the last six months into the role of director of football which is basically overseeing all, all football operations over here. Uh, I'm working with quite a a progressive club who we've got big ambitions to to go into the professional game over here. So okay. uh, we're not quite professional just yet, um, but but we've uh, we're certainly putting plans in place over the kind of next five six years to to aim towards that. So my role really is, if you will, jack of all trades, but, but almost the academy manager role, uh, overseeing yeah. as I say the day to day operations. So um, it's good, it's it's busy, and and I wouldn't have any any other way to be honest. So that's that's kind of where I am now. Um, and then in terms of previous, uh, I spent three years out in, in Canada uh, in a technical director role, which was, I'd say, relatively similar, but in terms of a completely different culture. Uh, yeah. When we talk about you know the, how big football is in the UK and Europe, when you, you travel to countries like North America, you, you find that, that, that football, or what they call it soccer, don't they, is, is almost second, playing second or third fiddle. Yeah. Um, so, so that's a, a completely different ball game, to be honest, in the sense that, uh, you drive in a sport that's not actually the number one sport. So, so getting the best players isn't necessarily. Um, it, it, I suppose it makes even more emphasis on development, which which obviously helps help you as a coach. But uh, it's a bit of a challenge to be honest. But I, I totally enjoyed it. Really, really, uh, really helped my development. Um, and, and again, we'll be talking about building a culture shortly. But I think that that's been a big part of that too. And then previous to that, a uh, couple of clubs in the UK. I was at, at Man City. Uh, for a good chunk of two, two and a half, three years. Um, and prior to that, Preston North End as well. So, um, two probably two completely different clubs in the sense, but uh, both real family clubs and um, one slightly bigger scale. But um, again, two really good experiences and and really you know, great for my my uh, my coaching career and and learning the game. No, brilliant. Like I said, that's again going into this kind of culture debate that we're going to chat about. It's it's interesting that, again, you've been in, in other countries and on other continents as well. So, for you, just off the bat, like, so you don't have to name clubs or name place you've been, but 
describe kind of one of them environments that you've been in that was was really good? Yeah, I think I think to be honest with you, um, I mean both 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 the clubs in the UK, I think uh, slightly different in the sense, but they were both family clubs. Um, I think when I was at when I was at Preston, it was because it's a, a relative, it was a relatively small academy. Um, you know, everybody know, knows each other. When you you flip the coin and go to Manchester City, it's huge. So yeah. I think I probably enjoyed, to be honest, that my time at Preston North End uh, a little bit more in the sense that everybody knew each other. Um, everyone everyone dug in and, and helped out, and and there was none of the none of that. Um, I don't know what the term would be. I don't. I wouldn't say it was slyness, but no one's trying to get above each other. If that, if that makes sense, and yeah. in those bigger clubs, obviously that you know that sort of stuff does happen and that does take place. But but whilst I was whilst I was at Preston, um, it was just a real family family atmosphere, and it was it was perfect for as I say for my development. Um, and then I suppose if I flip the coin and and talk about the time when I was in uh, in Canada, um, again unbelievable experience, and I think. The, the, there was some difficulties, but the role I was in, uh, I'm dealing with you know 29, 30 members of staff. So uh, from going going from day to day coaching to actually being in charge of of a high number of coaches, full time, part time, and and even volunteers as well, uh, was a big jump for me and was almost thrown in the deep end. But it was something that you know once I got going, I kind of learned on the job a little bit. And alongside you know, doing your qualifications, it was. It was uh, it was learning first time, just being on the ground. It was it, it was great, really good. Yeah, and just going back to UK, like again, tell us what your roles were in them clubs, but then also what was your role in terms of developing the culture. So yeah, you might have been a coach or an assistant coach, but what kind of role did you take up within that environment? Yeah, I mean, variety of roles. I think I was I was working in the in youth development phase at Preston with, with the boys. Um, we had a great group of great group of uh, players within the U13s that we had. But I, I started off as an assistant coach um, and the head coach at the time, absolutely superb. One, one of my mentors uh, as I kind of I've gone through the game, um, and I think he set the environment. You know, as soon as the boys arrived, it was it was almost it sounds a little bit crazy to say it, but it wasn't with that group of players. It wasn't necessarily coaching. It was almost facilitating and letting them. We would give them the framework for the session. You know, we'd probably, you know, we'd warm the boys up. We'd give them a little bit of a framework and a base to work from. And then it was almost, right, lads, you've, you've got the next 15, 20 minutes to go and experiment and, and do what you can within the session and be creative. And, and that group of players, you couldn't do that with, with, with all groups of players, as we yeah. all know. They were a special group of players. And, I mean, probably, I want to talk eight or nine years ago now. Those players, there's, there's three or four of them that are still within the 23 side now, Preston, which just shows... The quality that sort of stuff doesn't doesn't happen every day, as we know in the professional game. So, yeah. the fact that three or four of them have, have kind of almost made it through this far is is testament to to to, to Andy, the coach at the time, uh, and also I, I suppose him setting setting standards early doors, uh, which are standards that that I followed, obviously being with him all the time, and and it almost rubbed off on me to the sense that any other club or any other session I've, I've been delivering, you know, there are a set of principles that they had in place and. I'd like to think I've taken, you know, little, little, little bits from that whenever I've been implementing my my own stuff. So uh, I think that was that was really big. Yeah. What were then principles? I think it was it was it was simple things like you know <laughs> just just being on yeah. being on time. But I, I say being on time. Um, you know, the players knew to be there. You know, thirty thirty five minutes before. Um, 
simple things like you know, we're training on the grass, so you know, clean boots. You arrive and your boots are, uh, are clean. He, he had kind of cut out the the sense that you know none of this white boots, bright yellow boot stuff. It was you know he didn't mind if your boots had a little bit of colour on, but the base was black or at least navy blue, and it was just little things like that which I think show a little bit of uh, grounding for, for players to be honest. Um, and again, you don't see too much of that in this day and age. Um, so again, there were simple principles. Um, even stuff like he'd really hammer me early doors for, for me sending in session plans to him, um, you know, a couple of days in advance, which at the time I was a, I was a lot younger um, and I was going for my B licence at the time. And it, was, it was a little bit like, oh, this guy's busy. But actually, you know, it, but you, but you yeah. know when you, you kind of get further down uh, in your own career, you think, wow, I wish, you know, I'm so glad he did that because, you know, that, that sort of stuff, I now demand on the coaches that I work with because it's grounded for them as well, not just not just the players and the standard, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, yeah, I think just little little things, to be honest. Yeah, and then kind of like transfer that to Canada or like the UAE where have you found yourself trying to instill them things from day one and, and really change that culture? Yeah, certain things. I'll, I'll go to the Canada, the, the Canadian club I was at. Uh, when, I, when, I moved, when I moved in into that club, uh, the place... It was in a little bit of a disarray, to be honest. They'd lost their technical director. They hadn't had one for six or seven months or so. Uh, the club had no kind of direction, if you will. Um, and when I came in, to be fair, the president gave me kind of carte blanche and said, mm-hmm. right, there's your, there's, your co- there's your coaching budget, there's your coach education budget, a number of different you know, budgets to work from. He was basically saying it's a clean slate. You know, do what you can. But you know, I was going in almost firefighting because there was obviously... There was an allegiance from from some of the coaches and the coaches staff to the previous technical director, as as always, as there always is. Uh, and then there was kind of the other side, uh, the other group of coaches that um, you know wanted a fresh start. Um, so a fresh face coming in with new ideas was was beneficial to them. And then there was trying to you know almost recruit like-minded people uh, and bring them into positions um, where they could be making decisions because. As you know, working if you're in charge, I suppose, of of a number of different people, you've got to have different characters. You can't have you can't have yet like yes men. Like that's the last thing you need. And I think that was something I learned early doors in the sense that you know I did have I did have one or two coaches who who didn't really speak up and yeah they were good coaches, yeah. but I would have liked I would have liked early doors for them to have you know you know challenged me so to speak in in the sense and when we sat down and that. that Cutting the technical meetings, you know, they're opportunities for people to speak up. And I think some people were a little bit, uh, whether it be shy or maybe didn't feel felt they had the, the correct knowledge. I think what we built over the, the three year period was uh, a group of coaches, a real steady group of eight to 10 coaches. And when we met on a weekly basis, they were the substance and they were the the main uh, hold, if you will, of, of the club. Uh, and they had, they had as much say. Uh, as I did in whatever we did and of course it would get signed off by me but you know I think it's important that in any sort of hierarchical system people have got to have their own their own views you know there, there is going to be a philosophy and there is going to be um, you know a number of things that are, are put in place to follow of course there is but you know coach, coaches coaches are, have got to be creative and they've got to have their own um, their own philosophy as well that, that's got to link with yours of course if, if they're going to be coaching and working for you but you know, they've got to have a, a little bit of freedom, I would think so, and I would say. So, um, yeah, over there, it was a little bit different. And, uh, and like I say, in terms of the coaching qualifications over there, they're a lot different um, in the sense of, obviously, the, 
you know the FA badges and, and the UEFA UEFA badges as well where where we're from. So in terms of getting them through coaching qualifications, it's it was a little bit of a challenge to be honest initially. Um, but once we kind of got things in motion and things in in order, we managed to get a number of coaches. And I think one when I left, uh, just just coming to the end of COVID. Um, which I'm saying the end of COVID, it's fucking raging at the minute. Isn't it? But when I when I kind of finished up there a couple of years back, I think we I went in with three qualified coaches out of a, a group of staff of twenty odd people, twenty odd people, eighteen to twenty. When I left, we had twenty nine members of staff, and all twenty nine were qualified in some way, shape, or form, even the volunteers. So I think that stands the stood the club and stands the club now in good stead moving forwards. Um, and I think that's important because without qualified coaches players aren't going to be up to much are they I think that's yeah no and it's, it's interesting because again going back to kind of Canada and obviously UAE it's how you talk about like you, you had a, a culture of like people had their own people had a say and people could speak up for things how do you develop that and almost like promote that every day is there certain behaviours you take up did you have to change anything in your personality I think I think I'm quite an outgoing outgoing person anyway, so I think that helps. And I'm quite I say quite I'm, I'm very enthusiastic because I just love football. So um, I think my attitude towards the game and towards toward developing players and developing that culture is passionate and would be for all to see. So obviously you're going to have people kicking back against that. Of course you are in any any line of work. But as soon as I figured out who those people were, they were on a short lifespan anyway. Yeah. Uh, because you want people. It's that old saying. Get on the train and join us on that journey, or just get off the train and don't bother go somewhere else. So, I think I, I didn't have to change anything myself. I've obviously developed uh, a number of different techniques, you know, growing up through the game and, and working with the, the the number of people I have done. But um, I think for me, the, the important thing was getting a group of people around me. It, it was simple things like an open door policy. Um, my office was next to the administration office, but we just knocked the door out. So it was open. So if you ever, you know, sometimes that could be a nightmare because you don't have a meeting. But at the same time, the long and short of things was people could come in at any stage and, and openly have a chat with you. And I think that was important. It almost breaks down the barrier initially yeah. because depending on the role you're in, it can be quite daunting. I've come through through the through the system where, you know, some of the people I've worked with have just shut you off. They're in a role, a role of power, position of power, and they just shut you off. It's their way or the highway. And I, I get that. I do get that to, to some extent. But there, there's got to be some of that somewhere, of course, because there's got to be some common order. But I think you've got to allow people to to uh, to feel comfortable and, and want to express whatever that whatever that may be. So, yeah, to answer the question, no, I, I don't think I changed too much. I think I almost developed while, whilst I was... And I was learning stuff on the job as well. Yeah. You know, I don't think in those, in those positions, there's no, I, there's no such thing as someone who's a, a tailor-made technical director. Like it's it's a job which, like I said before, it's a jack of all trades. You're covering every blade of grass, so you've got to. There'll be certain things you don't know, and you've got to seek advice from 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 other other people within the game. So, yeah, no, that's that's interesting because I said so. When you do the again, we talked about you possibly take things from your time in the UK, and where where would you start? What key thing key things would you try and hit straight away? Um. Probably, probably, new. yeah, probably in in a in a new country uh, and I suppose a new culture. I think the big thing, I suppose, I could just use the example of of being here in the UAE now. 
Uh, it's almost like the Wild West over here. There's, there's so many different football clubs and there's not, there's not too much in the sense of uh, structure with, with many of yeah. them. So when, 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 I kind of st- when, I, when I got in over here, it was the initial all group of coaches that we, we had when I arrived. They weren't used to having a weekly staff meeting. That was just something they didn't do. So it's just you're bizarre, isn't it? Because yeah. uh, I think to myself, lad, we all know what's going to happen this week. What's the, anyway, that, the way I would think is I need a little bit of structure to my week. So that was, that was a Monday morning. Um, Monday morning meeting was put in place. And initially, I just said, you know, an 8.30 a.m. meeting, we all meet. But, but there was a bit of backlash from two or three of the members of staff because they're, they're on the pitch at five till nine at night. And they're not used to being up at that time. So I had to adjust a little bit. I bit my lip a little bit the first kind of couple of weeks that I was in the door. And I was like, okay, we'll do 11 a.m. then. So, and then I've slowly moved it back as we've got there because we're, we're building a sense of we're all in it together. So you've got it. There's got to be some leeway, I think. But yeah, yeah. that weekly meeting for me is important. And even to the sense where it doesn't need to be in the office, it can be in a coffee shop, it doesn't need to necessarily be. A meeting, it could be an event that, that you you attend that day with, with the staff. It just, I think it builds a little bit of camaraderie. Um, for example, we had one a couple of weeks back where we went on a, just went on a bike ride. It was eight of the staff, all on a bike ride, just talking away, a little bit of football, golf, whatever we were talking about. And I think it's just a little bit of, um, what would the word be? It just it keeps, I think it keeps you week in order and sets you, sets your stall out. So that would be an initial thing I would. I would bring to the table. Um, And here's another one for you as well. And this doesn't surprise me anymore, but the club I'm at now and the club I was at previously, so, well, the last three clubs, um, club in Canada, club in the UK, who I'm not going to mention, but um, uh, playing relatively, relatively, uh, a a relatively decent level. And and the club I'm at now, neither of those three clubs had a technical syllabus. They had nothing they were working from, which, which is quite frightening, to be honest. I'm not saying you have to follow it by, you know, to the dot, but there's got to be some form of framework for, for the coaches to at least uh, work from. So that's something I've implemented at the last the, the last two and this club currently. I've implemented that in. Uh, it was difficult at the first club in Canada because I'd never really developed my own syllabus. Um, yeah. And I've obviously built from that syllabus what, what's been good, uh, what's worked and what hasn't, and adjusted as I went along. And I think now the syllabus we have in place at this club is... Um, I think it's probably the the best one so far from, from what I've devised. So I think that's important too. Again, structure, I think, is the key. I think yeah. there's structure in place. I don't think you can go too far wrong. You look at uh, you go you look at you know the the army their structure. The army works. You go to schools. Schools have you know straight lines. They have structure. Schools work. So I don't think we can go too far far wrong with a little bit of structure within our within our day. So uh, yeah, they'd be probably the two the two things for me. Um, I think the last thing would be. Just simple things like um, the review after a training session. I find a lot of coaches just go home and get on with the rest of the evening and then forget about that session and then they just plan for the next day. But I don't think, certainly the clubs I've been at recently, the coaches don't review review their performance. They just think if the kid says at the end of the session they enjoyed it or it was good, then that's enough for them. And, yeah. and for me, I think we should be, we should be challenging challenging more and, and you put, I know my, the truth might hurt a little bit when you have a bad set, a bad session but that's only going to make you better isn't it so I think that's that's big too What kind of structures and methods have you played around with in terms of reviewing because it's a big thing again even in my practice I'm thinking 
I think I feel like you'll be very, very similar to your structured phase where you'll go, it could be in a coffee shop, it could be over a beer after training, it could be whatever, but you've got to review it. Um, yeah. yeah, I think, um, I mean, I, I'll give you an example. I mean, for me, for me, I, I mix it up myself. So if I give you my example, it might be, I might, I might just that dive across to the pub after after training, have a quick pint with my notebook on my own in the corner. Some will say that's really sad, but that 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 might be my quiet time for half yeah. an hour, uh, and then obviously just have a little think and go through me session. Uh, that's just one one short example. I find when I get home, uh, that's me. I don't want to think about it. So that that little car ride home as well. Actually, if it's a longer car ride home, I, I get thinking in there, and that that's yeah. pretty decent too. But there was one. There's one that I, I kind of always tell was when I was back at Man City and our technical director at the time, he was top, top fella, really, really great guy. And he was he was he was big on he gave me the advice that we, at the, if you're lucky enough to have a changing room, at the end of your session, um take in a take in a little batch of post-it notes, give it to the players, give them a couple of pens, tell them not to put the names on on the post-it notes, and then Basically, the task is to those players just write down a couple of things that were good about the session, a couple of things you quite you, you probably didn't like about the session, and then just stick it on the wall. Now, obviously, with them that being anonymous, you probably you, chances are you're gonna get the truth more than than if they put the name on it. Yeah. Um, but what he always said was, and I, I found that out when I did it, was be prepared for the truth. It's, it's difficult to be prepared for yeah. the truth because you're going to get some negative feedback. Of course you are. But I think that was, that was, that's one way that I've, I don't do that regularly, but if I'm, um, if I'm stuck and I've got a group that aren't the most, aren't the best communicators, that's, that's certainly one way that I've, 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 uh, I've found a little bit of feedback from the players and that's helped me then kind of plan ahead in terms of future sessions. And if you, instilled that way of learning on your on your staff where you are now i wouldn't say that the post-it note uh one has, has been uh rolled out um just yet i think that's that's one i, I use directly but in terms of our, our coaching group you know i'll have i'll go for a coffee uh simple simple as i'll go for a coffee the next morning with, with one of our coaches or it, it's as open as to be fair to them they'll give me a phone they'll give me a little quick bell on the way home if we're leaving the session they've been on the pitch next to me they they know that give me a quick buzz when I'm on the way back and there's a little 15, 20 minute conversation in the car while you're driving back, hands free obviously. Um with you know that's your little debrief. So I, I love that side of it too. I think that I'm always open to, to listening in too. I mean we did uh, some individual learning plans tonight. So we had our, our meetings with with some of our academy players. Um and it was the fair, it was the second time one of our coaches had delivered the actual one to one meetings with the players and the parents. And it was his chance to, I, I'd not seen it before. And and his, you know, once he'd finished his ILP meetings, he's in the car going to the same place I'm going to. 15 minutes on the phone, just debriefing what he thought went well. And then I give him a little bit of feedback. And it was, it's not like it's planned feedback. Yeah. Uh, and it probably goes against what I was saying before with the, the term structure. But actually it works. So, um, yeah, but I think, I think if, you, need, you need that structure to then, like you said, go and be loose with certain yeah. things. You can't just be... 100% loose all the time you never get anything done yeah yeah, I know yeah you're right from. yeah so that's that. that's good I think but I think the coaches have to be comfortable with making that phone call um, or, or having that conversation because if they're not comfortable they're not going to they're not, not going to tell you the truth are they um, yeah. in the sense of how it went or, or whatever that be so um, yeah I mean that's it's something that I'm I've only been at the club nine months but it's something that I'm slowly 
um, amongst amongst the other five hundred jobs trying to kind of implement. <laughs> so uh, yeah. yeah. Um, no, because like going from like your structure, and we talked quite a lot around kind of your staffing and when you go into a club. How how have you worked in this club to affect like the culture of the players? I think it's again, it's it's the simple things for me. If we do the simple things well, it might you know it, it might be it starts for me with uh, as soon as as soon as these players arrive on the pitch, it's that little fist pump or that little handshake, whatever it needs to be. It's the how are you, but it's not just how are you. It's how's your day been and finding out that little bit about that that individual, that player. I've found the psychological side of the game is it becomes more valuable. Um, the lower down you go, in the sense. These younger players, they want to feel valued. They want, they want to know that the coach cares, um, and they have a bit of an interest. And it's, it's something as simple as finding out we've got a. I'll just use a, a name for example. It might be a, a Luca. Uh, finding out what Luca's up to uh, this weekend. We're training on Friday night. What are you up to this weekend? Might be going swimming with his friends. But on when you see him on Monday, it's remembering that he's been swimming with his friends on on the weekend. And it's just going, Luca. I was, I was just swimming lesson on the weekend with your friends and. Hang on a second. How does how does Coach Liam know that? How do you remember that? It's that little connection, isn't it? I think yeah. that the players think he cares. Here, this 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 is brilliant. So, um, and don't forget, a lot of these a lot of these kids don't get that attention at home. So when they when they arrive to to training and and to play, there is going to be a little sense of attention seeking sometimes. So if you can, if you can, not all the time, but if you can show that little bit of attention to detail, I think that's going to go a long way. Um, yeah, so I think that's 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 probably a probably a big part of it. Um, yeah. I'm just trying to think there. Re- remind me of the question again. So I'm doing another answer. Yeah, just around like how do you <laughs> affect, affect the culture of of players again? Probably going back from my experience in academy football in the UK. Of I've been in at clubs in the past where like you look at your Prestons. I've been around like Burnleys and Morecambe's and clubs like, and you go, there's a real kind of uh, industrial, hard-working kind of culture about which is in full fruit throughout the club and you can kind of see it. Um, is there anything, maybe flick on its head now, where, and again, you don't have to name names, but kind of poor practice around culture or things that you think of you wouldn't use? Um, if I, if I, before I answer that one, if I actually, it's interesting because you're talking about those those clubs that you've been at. Like, I'm now in, in the UAE where I think Almost money doesn't have that much of a value, to be honest. Yeah. So if we're flipping the coin that way, how we're trying to develop our players, now we're trying to build a culture and almost a, a strong mentality within our players. I've, I found the first couple of months to be players who made a glass like they'd go to the floor and they'd be rolling around. And whether that's stuff we've seen on telly or the Molly Coddle, you know, the, the, they're almost brought up with a silver spoon. Yeah. Coaching players like that. Is, is a complete opposite spectrum to, to obviously coaching players like you just said there. They're, they're, they're drilled, they're already well drilled and they've already hard work. So instilling hard work um, is, is a real challenge for, for, for certain individuals that we have over here at our club because they're just not used to it. When they go and get tough, they'll crumble. And, um, and I've found that more, you know, more times than I've wanted to, to be honest, when we've had a match day. You know, we have one or two players that just go their own way and just decide, you know what? I don't, need to, I don't need to listen to that. You know, I've, it's almost like I've got enough money. My family's got enough money, which is scandalous to say because you look at these these players back home. You know, they come from nothing, and 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 their way out, their way out is 
in making a career out of the game, yeah. isn't it? So, um, yeah, it's, it just flips flips the head on it. So, in terms of bad practice, yeah, the, <laughs> I mean, if I talk higher up the scale, but it was a, a club I worked at back in the UK, um, and and the the director of football used to used to come into the um, the change room and take over the gaffer's uh, team talk. So <laughs> that was that was interesting, really interesting, because that, that was something I'd, I'd not I'd not seen before. Yeah, those horror stories of Abramovich back in the day going into the changing yeah. room, going to the players. But but this this was happening a lot lower down the uh, down the down the spectrum in the UK. But I was I was a little bit shocked to to hear and see that. Um, but that would certainly be bad practice. You, I suppose that the role of the coach or the manager, whoever it is, that's that's their bread and butter. So I think if you're the director of football or a technical director, you stick to your lane, I suppose. Yeah, it, uh, it, but it that takes away that, that trust, doesn't it? And almost like it does. the ego stuff, and again, that straight away your coach is not what you're preaching or what you're, what you're saying. But no, I just want to go back into kind of what you said then around the, the like you said, and again, it happens in this country where you have kids that may be a bit more affluent than others, and they seem to really lack that little edge at the end. When, like you said, it gets in 90th minute, and do they throw one in, or they're doing a yo yo test, and it's like, can I get the next level? And they've not got that again. What kind of things are you consistent with and consistent with your coaches with that we can really kind of develop these things still? Because for me personally, and I, you might argue against this. I think if you work on something enough, you get you get better at it, and you're consistent in any area. Where if you need to get physically fit, if you need to get better with your weaker foot, the more you work on it, I feel like you get it. So, is there anything that you've you've done in yeah. your nine months where you're trying to kind of instill these things more? I agree with you. I think you need to want it though as the player. Do you know what I mean? I think that that's the game changer, isn't it? If you 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 if you keep doing it, if you really want it, of course, hundred percent, you yeah. you can achieve that. Uh, while I've while I've been here the last nine months, um, we've had a couple. I think the example is we've had a couple of players that have that have thrown one in. Uh, just didn't fancy it, you know. We've turned up to to a game where maybe the pitch isn't isn't as, as pristine as maybe they used to. Uh, maybe the weather's too hot. Maybe it's a bit windy that day. For for one reason or another, they just don't quite fancy it. And you can see it. You just see it in the warm-up, don't you? And you get that little inclination. I think it helps having worked in 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 the UK and in Europe that you see that before it's coming. Um, but in the sense of those players who, who throw one in, I think we're very clear in the sense with our coaching staff that, you know, if, if they throw one in at that week in training, you know, whatever, whatever whatever that reason is, if it's a legitimate reason, then okay. But if it's not a legitimate reason, then then we're making sure that that, that player understands what the levels are and, and, and what's required to, to play for the club. Um, and yet it can be difficult. You've obviously got to be disciplined in, in how we do that. Um, you, I don't think we have the luxury over here just yet of, of releasing players, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's all, there is going to be, there's a place for these players somewhere, but it might be that that week they'll drop down to to the second team, if you will, or, or the third team as a bit of a lesson, um, and that's that's tended to work. We've only done it once or twice, but that has worked on with those one or two individuals. Um, so that's something that, that we've looked at. Um, we've done that with players who've just been ridiculous in the sense of, you know, probably don't want to be there, just just thrown in a, a crazy tackle on purpose, straight red card, off you go. There are punishments, but how we punish them has got to be a little bit more unique other than 
you know, you can't find them or any of that stuff. That's yeah. <laughs> that's it's out the window for us. It's so. interesting when you throw in consequence, though. Yeah. Because then yeah. again, like, again, don't don't know how it work out there, but again, if you're working at say things like a category one club in this country, and that's your best prospect at 19 years old, who's about to get in the first team, but they're not doing things right. That's really interesting when it starts to challenge your culture because the first team manager will just take him in because, or they're buying into, well, he's not doing things right, so he's not going to get the opportunity again. And I can imagine you've seen them things happen at different places before. 100%, 100%. I think even back, I won't mention names, but even back in the UK, one of of the previous clubs, we had a player who was was being chased by a number number of clubs, I think, Arsenal were interested in him. There's a few clubs, um, but he was telling everybody. He was shouting his mouth off about it. He was turning up late to training. Um, I didn't work with him directly, but I worked with the coach who coached him. Yeah. Um, some of the stuff he'd tell you, just um, he'd fob you off in saying, and just wouldn't, you know, he'd explain something to him, and he'd he'd almost just go, as he'd, he'd listen, would look like he's listening, then do the complete opposite, and he just didn't want to be there. But he was a hell of a player. So what you do, it's catch-22, isn't it? Uh, you've got a discipline, and but in this day and age, it seems like these players get away with, with murder, don't they? Uh, the way that was dealt with, I think, a couple of years later, he was they managed to, to get rid of him, sold him, but uh, made a couple of quid off him. But, you know, that's, that's besides the point. I think dealing with those players in the here and now, there's got to be, like we just said, there, there's got to be some form of discipline in place. And um, I think we have it with our... We're get, we're going to introduce this because it was I was playing golf with a friend of mine who, who works for another club over here, and they've got it in place for the coaches in a fine system in place for the coaches. So late to a meeting, um, there was a number of other things, you know, wearing the wrong the wrong wrong pair of socks or whatever it is, and all of that all of that money goes in in the old kitty for the end of the season party, and and that's great for the staff. I think that's a brilliant idea because yeah. you know we, we all have you know when someone turns up late to a meeting that goes my head in. It really irritates me. You've been given a time, just get there five minutes before. But uh, there seems to be a culture over here where people are a little bit more laid back and, you know, oh, we'll get there whenever. But like that irritates me and I can't get on board with it. So I, I'm, we've been thinking about this idea of incorporating it after hearing that, that story. So I suppose you can't do that with the play, our players currently. Um, I mean, we can look at it, the U18s and, and the older age groups, but it's certainly something I've heard about in the past and, and I've certainly seen in the dressing room. And it's that dressing room culture I don't think is... It's not the same over here anyway with, with yeah. our, our players. They're all listening to music or they don't even talk to each other. It's it's absolutely yeah, I crazy. Think, I think that's the same in a lot of places now. And it's it's almost, I read something the other day and it made me think a bit like, as coaches, are we, how much are we still trying to coach kind of the old school kind of camaraderie stuff? But then how, how much do we have to get in tune with them? Because yeah. I'm, I'm very much in a similar camp to you where I'm like, I like, Certain, like we call them old school principles, but they're, they're the same anyway. You like you take Liverpool and Man City at the minute, like the old school principles work hard and they do it better than anyone. Yeah. That's with the best players in the world. So it's no, it's, it's a really interesting thing because is there any other because again, you spoke a little bit about Preston, but was there anything from maybe like your Man City or stuff, stuff that you took as well in regards to kind of culture and maybe discipline around academies? I think I think the big thing for us was when we were at City was coach education. Like we had like the coach education was delivered like bi weekly. So we were in we were in the auditorium 
like once every two weeks. That was part just part of our contract. We had to be there, and really? it was something different every couple of weeks, and it was brilliant. It really, really was. It was, you know, the topic this week might have just been might have been on social media and how you manage yourself on social media. The following week, they'll got uh, there was a Portuguese guy called oh, I can't remember his name, but he, he worked closely with with the top of the pile with, with some of the big hitters at City and he'd come in and deliver something I've been on periodization or whatever and it just kept you on your toes and there were all these different topics um, and if something did come to light our technical director at the time if something came to light that week it might have been that we we struggled as a group of coaches sort of certain coaches struggled in game tactically or he, he was on it he was on it and 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 we by the second the second week the, the coach education session was on game management within it was just yeah. I just thought like he was on it all the time and I think I've taken a lot from that in the sense that you've got to have your eyes everywhere if you're if you're running you've got to run a tight ship and you've got to be aware of everything uh, because if you can it's easy just to blame someone for I'll use that I'll use that example it's easy you, you say you won the look and you lose the game 2-1 with and five minutes left to play it's criminal it shouldn't happen players are obviously to blame somewhere in there but as a coach I think we can affect things like that um, but you need to be educated on it you know not everyone's got that knack have they but if if we can provide some form of education from from people who understand how to deal with those scenarios and situations then that coach is now going to stand a far greater chance when he's in or she's in that position again if that makes sense so yeah no it's, uh, it's, it's interesting because there's almost a, a place where you as the you as the the sporting director or a technical director of that club could want to drag that member of staff in and be like, this is how you do it. But the guy at City's actually gone, do you know what? I'll subconsciously teach him through someone else. And it almost looks like I'm putting CPD on from which, again, it's a really clever way of kind of looking at it. Because um, you look at that, you, like you've just said there, if, say, say, you, say you're the one who, with a coach who loses that game late. By me hammering you, you're not learning anything. And it's the same process for when you're talking about coaching a player. Like if I'm if I'm hammering that, that player, I've got to tell them why I'm hammering them. I've got to give them I've got to give them something to to, to work towards. So I think that I thought that was that was a really unique way of of, of looking at managing staff. And it's something you yeah. can easily translate to managing players as well, isn't it? So yeah, because again, there's there's enough people out there that will come and present or know a different area of coaching. You know, like you said there, like. Being a technical director now, you don't you need to have your finger on the pulse of everything, but you're not an expert of everything. You might have two or three key areas yourself where you go, Do you know what I'm really strong in these, but like I'm not a technical coach, so I'll get a technical expert in like a a, a cover or someone like that to go, Do you know what, I'll work on some some areas. No, it's a, it's made me think a little bit differently kind of about that. Because like going on like trying to round it up a little bit, but where would you like to go or who would you like to see in regards to maybe from the outside you've seen some really good stuff around culture who would you like to go and kind of pick the brains of or observe I um, studied Simeone um, on my A licence so I thought like I was just intrigued by him because everyone's talking about how good Pep Guardiola is and obviously he's unbelievable yeah. and all of these top coaches you know the two shells and, and, and Klopp's um, but like people like him He's consistently had Atletico Madrid in like the top three of the of the Liga for, and they they won the league didn't they a few times as well yeah. within that period. But with the team that plays, they're not not very attractive. They're just very very well organised, and it, like 
I found when I was doing a lot of the research and the, the study, I feel like he's, like I said, he's very organised, but I think he's very structured, which is similar to, to how I think. And the way he's set up, yeah, it's not, it's not ideal, but I always think there's a place for stuff like that. Like, I, again, I, I love watching Pep Guardiola's teams. I love watching the teams that are attractive. But there's a place for, for, for these, these, these types of coaches and these styles of play because if I'm, if I'm coming, against, coming up against your team and your team of, I don't know, one ten on the bounce and you're thumping everyone fours and fives and, and I've lost six or seven in a row, why would I try and, you're the team that plays expansive stuff, why would I try and play expansive stuff against you? And people complain about stuff like this and I hear it all the time. Um, I had Klopp say it the other week, I think it was a Conte for Tottenham. Um, parked the bus, they, they nicked the draw. Yeah. He played all right, to be fair. And he was moaning in the press saying, you don't, I don't like that style of play. Don't play. Of course you don't, because he, he stopped, he, he, he drew with you, he, he, he kind of nullified your threat. So yeah. I do think there's a, a, I do think there's a place for it. Well, do I agree that it should happen all the time? Probably not. But like I said, I think there's, there's an importance in being flexible and being able to... Uh, so if, to answer your question, definitely Simeone, yeah. 100%. Um, but then flip the coin if you know, I'd even... Obviously, I'd want to listen into to, to how the culture is set with Guardiola. I watched that, you know, you watch those programmes that... The City one was, was brilliant. The Tottenham one with Mourinho was good. Yeah. There's, there's been a few really good ones. I haven't had a chance to watch the Simeone one yet. I know that's on Amazon. So they're, the, they're great because they're good insights without having to go and go and travel. But I think my next step for me is, I think what I'll do this summer is try and grab up. I've been reaching out to a couple of contacts within within Europe, but maybe trying to get a little a week residential somewhere yeah. um, and go and, lay, go, go, and, go and learn from someone because I've found, especially recently, the last... The last probably nine ten months, I I I still want to learn. Like I'm never going to be the finished article, and I'm never going to claim to be. So I, I want to learn from people too. So um, I think for my development too, I want to go and learn from. It might not be the Simeones, but you know, uh, an academy coach is working with the 16 somewhere or the 14 or wherever it be. So uh, I think that's big. Yeah, it's interesting because again, going back to like the Simeone stuff, it'd be interesting to see like. So they went and signed like a Jao Felix who was like the next big player. And I don't know if you'll be able to answer this, but for me, if Jao Felix went to say a Man United under the current regime, Jao Felix is a total different player to what Simeone's created. But what does, Simi, what does Simeone do in terms of he, how does he get the players to buy into the culture? Because it comes across that he's coaching them every day, 1v1 defending, 2v2 defending. Staying in a block, staying in mid block, and they buy in. Like you got Antoine Griezmann, one of the best, one of the best forwards in the world for me. But he's happy to score seven, eight goals a season and play in that formation. Was there anything that you kind of found out about that when you're doing your research? In terms of the, the training, well, similar to what you've just been saying there, I found it interesting that I think at the time when when I was doing my license was. Griezmann was there on his, it was his first time round, I think. Um, you look at those players that the clients that they've had, you're right in the sense that how, do, how don't they get bored like doing stuff like that? But I think the, the, the challenge of being, the, I think the underdog, the underdog tag, I think that sticks with players, you know. I think being an, an underdog, you're, ne you're never going to be a Real Madrid, you're never going to be a Barcelona. But you know what? If we do knock them aside, it's going to feel better than playing for a Barcelona or around I think that sort of, yeah. again, that mentality that he's 
he's created. I bet you he's got well, I say about his his assistant. I've watched a few sessions of his assistant coaching. He's unbelievable, just dead enthusiastic. He almost commentates quite a lot, yeah. which I for me, listen, each to their own. But when I hear coaches commentate, I'm always a little bit skeptical as to to why. But uh, again, watching him coach on a couple of clips that I had, um, he was commentating, and and but it, it worked. So if it works, then then fair play. Um, again, I don't know the full answers to the question, but I would imagine that underdog tag probably key to be honest. Yeah, it's really interesting. Again, I think you're right. It's got to be that consistent every day, almost in in a way that not that you brainwash is probably the wrong word, but I think because people are in that environment for so long, and he's probably got almost like disciples in terms of his four or five older heads that basically drag everyone on side. Yeah. And again, you've got you've got had that at again Liverpool. It's uh, Henderson and Milner probably repeating everything that Klopp says every day and if you don't fit in then like you said going back to the stuff at the start you've got to you've got to meet the demands and then you can start to play around because I bet there was even times at Liverpool where when Salah first went because Salah wasn't a, a pressing type of player no. I think when he first went to Liverpool and then to almost change the mentality of it I think and that's coming back to kind of what I said around I think you can actually coach it and develop it in someone if you if you work on it enough um, Do you not find it interesting as well? Like you look at like Alex Ferguson there like years ago, where he changed his assistant every whatever it was, three or four yeah. years. I thought I thought that was I thought, again that's quite unique. You don't see that every day, and that obviously he got a tune out of people because it was a fresh face, a fresh voice. Um, and don't get me wrong, he would move players on, and he was he was he was ruthless with it. But yeah. bringing in those new coaches, I thought it's again you don't you just don't I don't I don't know why. No, I don't understand why not many many clubs have followed that that routine because that was successful. Obviously, he's a different, uh, completely different entity, isn't he? Altogether, so Alex, an absolute legend. But um, the way he did that, I thought, that's something I think we could all learn from. In the sense, if you get to that level, with that that fresh voice, it, it, it is effective, isn't it? Yeah, no, definitely. Have you ever delved into any other industries or other sports to look at developing things in these areas? Basketball. Basketball, we, look, we looked at that um, actually while we were in Canada. While I was in Canada, it was it was something we looked at because obviously, as I said before, we were, were fighting, not fighting, but we're, we're challenging against di- different sports. Ice hockey's big out there. Basketball's really big. Where I was based just outside Toronto, they had the Toronto Raptors who play in the NBA. Yeah. So you've got a number of players wanting to be NBA stars. Then you've got, I think, the NHL was the... the Ice Hockey League. So there's a number of different teams in the region that play there. So we were almost getting... Third, third pick, if you will. If you weren't good enough at any of those two sports, you then come and play football. Um, so we had a little look at basketball and 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 hockey. Not ho- hockey, not so much, but but more basketball than anything. In the sense that it's a similar game, and in, in the sense we talk about the transition and when you win the ball and you lose the ball, where you need to be. And I did read a couple, a couple of years ago that was something. I mean, I'm an Everton fan, not biased by any stretch of the imagination, because I can't be, um, but. I think I looked at I think Klopp. Klopp changed adapt his adapted his team or Henderson's role uh, out of possession based on on uh, on the NBA. He was watching a couple of basketball games in the sense that they were there was that, I think it was one of the first seasons where they were they were beating teams five four you know five three four yeah. two they were conceding loads and then the following season it ended up being winning three nil four nil four what and they they stopped conceding as many 
and it was the position of Henderson out of possession, which was something he looked at when he was studying a couple of these, I think him and some of his staff were studying yeah. the NBA. So I find that interesting. That was, When I read that, I was like, okay, there's got to be something in it. There has to be something in it. So, I mean, I did a little bit, but I, it was more so about positioning when we didn't have the ball. That was that was what I took from it. And that was something we tried to to uh, to hit home with, with some of our players. It didn't play with everyone, of course. You've got to have buy-in. But uh, for one or two of them, it, it, it did. I think they were interested in basketball, though, so that might have been a reason they understood it more. Um, but yeah, basketball would have been the only one. I've not. I know yeah. Gareth Southgate did a little bit with the uh, the NFL. The NFL, yeah, I think, in football, that. didn't he? I had a little look at that. But yeah, um, yeah, just basketball. I've, I've looked at it's something probably I should I should delve into a little bit more because there's obviously links to to most sports, isn't there? Most team sports. So yeah, uh, and I think yeah. I think there's some stuff probably again outside of sport as well, but. Um, but yeah, Liam, brilliant. Just to round up again, uh, again off the top of your head, if you were to go in and start a club again, what would your couple of things be in terms of, I need to really hit home these around, around culture? And I know the first one you said was structure. Yeah, I think, I think like I said before, I think you've got to have some, some form, not even some form, you've got to have a structure in place. Uh, I think there's got to be obviously those boundaries. I think the big thing for me was the open door policy. I think yeah. that's huge. Uh, having having people being comfortable, whether it's your members of staff uh, or even probably just as important parents, because we, we talk about it all the time. I think educating parents when you step into a new club is is vital. If you, if you don't educate the parents, you know that you only see those players, those academy players anyway, you know four, five, maybe six hours a week. So what are they doing for the rest rest of that week? They're being influenced by by parents. So if you can. Yeah not influence the parent but educate the parent I think that's that's a massive step in the right direction in the sense that if they're buying into what you're uh, I'm not going to say selling because you're not selling it but buying into to your product if you will and, and how you do things your philosophy and uh, building that culture then if they can if they can speak about that on the old infamous car ride home rather than hammering the kid uh, after the performance then then you're getting somewhere so I think that's a big thing too for me uh, educate parents definitely Cheers, Liam. Yeah, no problem at all. All good. Coach Help is here to help you. Do you want guidance on your own personal development? Do you want to reflect better? Coach Help's primary focus is to help teachers, practitioners and coaches to do this. Get in touch today to set up a free consultation and ask any questions. You can follow us on Twitter at CoachHelp3 or email us at coachhelp123 at gmail.com.